Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio back on another episode. Thank you uh, to the person on my left, co-founder of the Edup Experience, Elvin Freitas, for checking to make sure I was recording this episode. Uh, it has been said uh, by certain people that I will keep remain nameless here, Elvin Freitas, that I don't always push the record button when I do these. In fact, there is a story uh, where I did, I was about 30 minutes into an episode <laughs> with somebody with great conversation, uh, a very important person that had to come back around and go, we want to rehash some of these questions again because I forgot to hit the record button. I didn't forget it today. And where are we? We are at Genzibar Jam 2023, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort. We're talking higher education, technology, Genzibar, service, clients. Uh, we're talking everything higher education. And we've got important people with us today. I'm going to bring them in here one at a time. This gentleman is an important Genzibar person. We're going to bring him in right now. Here he comes. He is Les Zimmerman. He's VP of product development. Les, what's going on? Good afternoon. Glad to be with you all today and Thank discuss you. higher ed. Thank you for representing Genzibar in this uh, podcast today. And I heard you were hard to get. They're like, you know, I said, can I get Les on here? Oh, Les is doing this. He's talking to this person. Almost impossible. It has been you. a busy week for sure. So glad to be here, though, most definitely. Well, thank you for coming. And of course, our guest of the hour. Here he is. He's Tyson Cooper. He is chief financial officer at Southern Virginia University. Tyson, what's going on? That's right, Alec. This is great. I'm glad to be here and thrilled to be here with Les as well. Awesome. Well, let's let's level set for the audience. Uh, as we talk about higher education, we want to talk about your institution, uh, Southern Virginia University. Where are you located, other than the obvious? Uh, who do you serve and how do you serve them? Sure. So we're located in, uh, in Buena Vista, Virginia, which is in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. And uh, we serve uh, primarily members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from all across the country. So we draw generally from about 40, 45 of the different states every year and have a student population of around 1,100. Amazing. Oh, that's great. Um, I like your, you're the C, lone CFO so far uh, that we've talked to. And uh, never, maybe never has the CFO role been more important to an institution than it is today. Because it's not about maintaining anymore. Not that it was, but... You're talking growth, you're talking enrollment challenges, you're talking technology upgrades, you're AI, you're, there's so many things that we have to be worried about as chief financial officers. Can you talk about your role a little bit, how it's evolved, how you see a chief financial officer operating within higher education today? Yeah, I, you know, of course, there's still all the, the critical functions of, you know, keeping track of the money. Yeah, accounting. Um, we're we're yeah. clearly scorekeepers, but but I think it's a lot more than that and that we have to be involved in the strategy, right? There's there's managing risk and also managing opportunity. And if the chief financial officer isn't involved in those conversations, it's really difficult to look forward and make sure you've got the resources in place when you need them in order to continue that growth and continue serving the students. That uh, That is our mission and, and calling to serve. Nailed it. Less, uh VP of product development at Genzibar obviously play an important role in helping to help uh, institutions control their costs, right. right? If you have a good product, you have a uh, affordable product, it gives you data, you can make data informed decisions. How do you work together with institutions to make sure they have what they need to operate? So we spend a lot of time with uh, individual customers learning how they do their business, learning the why they do it and, and understanding how we can change the software to make them more efficient to bring more automation because with the, you know, you got lo lower budgets, you may not have as many 
people working for you, the institutions you did before, and you got to be able to do things in a more automated and faster way. And so by learning how our customers work, we can really help them. We can understand how to help them be there. You know, we were talking about this week, our masterpiece, how they can be their masterpiece at their institution and serve their students better. And uh, yeah, the technology challenges are interesting right now because you, you want to, you, you, you got budgets that you're struggling with at times and you got to know where to make those investments, but you do have to transform because if you don't, you're going to fall behind even worse. The problem gets worse. So, I, but I know Tyson, Tyson has always impressed me as someone who really steps out and really tries to advance. I mean, I've been very impressed with some of the work he's done in the past. You know, we've talked in the past about things. So I, he's a good guy. Yeah. For that. Earlier, Les, Les said, uh, I said, what, tell me about Tyson. You know, what do you like about him? And he said, I like your style, dude. That's what he likes about you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, budget management, dollars and cents coming into the institution, tuition dollars, all of that is important to track and we, and, and we have we have to keep track of it that's the bread and butter of the institution uh, but so is change management and you know it's hard to put a price on change management uh, but as a cfo i know you're changing i know you're facilitating change i know you're pushing for change what does institutional response look like these days to inertia that higher ed can offer bureaucracies right there's sometimes divergent messaging hitting yeah i you know I, it's difficult to speak for other institutions at, at southern virginia we're we're small and agile and we we have to be just by the nature of the you know the the segment of the market that we're in as a you know as a private rural residential you know liberal arts college so you know one of the things that that we've tried to do is 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 again stay agile and nimble um always looking for a better way to do everything and i think that's part of what what les is talking about even you know using to, to just using the software itself we've, we've had to do that for my entire time at the university so it's always looking for a better way and again not having any i guess any sacred cows right anything that that can't be analyzed can't be looked at we all have to work together and, and be willing to to offer up whatever it is for examination for looking for again for a better way in product development less um affordable and i talked i said this earlier but affordability is an important part of this right so if, if you can if you can align and streamline your technology stack as an institution you can save money you can move your resources around how do you develop the product to ensure that it stays affordable because you could add things all day to a product and make it unaffordable, unattainable for institutions. Well, first thing is to work on the work on the features and functionality that customers want, not what you want. That's Excellent. the first thing. We really try to focus on that. The other, you know, piece that we're we're working on right now is transforming our application to a a cloud native application mm -hmm. that will be more efficient scale. Uh, so that, you know, when, when, when our customers need the compute power to do what they need, when they're registering a load of students, our, our system can scale up. You know, more compute power always has more cost, but it can also scale back down when they don't need it. So we're maximizing the efficiency of the spend that they're having. So really, that's kind of the, one of the big things we're working on is being able to do that to, to really reel in budgets and make sure we're, we're using that money efficiently. It is all about saving a dollar when you can. Uh, speaking of dollars and cents, let's talk financial aid for a minute. By the way, when you hit these microphones, you hear this, guys? Everybody's listening. 
That's yeah. what happens when you hit these microphones. But that's, you know, or, or you slam your hand on the table. Yeah. We make our own sound effects around here. Let's talk financial aid. Complex. Uh, complex. Um, it, it's funny because you can go back to pen and paper and do a FAFSA if you really have to, but nobody wants to do that anymore. You can't really operate that way anymore. You have to be able to originate. You have to up, you have to batch upload the COD. You have to go through all these blocking and tackling items. Oh, by the way, now you have GLBA, not that you didn't before, but you have student protection, you have data privacy, you have cybersecurity, you have attacks. How do you protect student data when it comes to their federal financial aid? And, and how do you how do you grow and scale knowing that financial aid is an important part of an institutional path? Does that make any sense? It made sense when it was in my brain. Maybe not so much when it came out of my mouth. It's a complicated question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can take take a take, shot. Of yard. I mean, that's something that's uh, near and dear to our heart. It's been it's been challenging over the last few years, uh, especially when we move into more of a web world um, where there are the, the constant worries of being hacked and intruded and that type of thing. And, and it's really, in a lot of ways, slowed down our development. But it's a you know kind of a necessary evil. You have to slow down your development and do things the right way to protect because there's always somebody trying to get in. You know, whether it be, you know, security or privacy of a, a student's data, it, it could even be also, I would say, accessibility. That's something else that we really focused on as a company is making sure that every unique individual out there have has access to the system, can use the system without barriers. And all of those things, you know, they're they're a real challenge for a development shop. But they're just part of what you have to do to, to provide a system that, that people can feel confident in and can use. One of the common um, things that's said about institutions today and their financial situation is this. You lack discipline. In, in, in your operations, in your financial operations, you have to be very disciplined. Um, what money is going uh, out? What money is coming in? How are you allocating resources, giving your competing priorities that you have? How do you strategize? How do you think about planning for the future as a CFO? What does that look like? And and maybe me the better question is how much time do you spend on the day to day, and how much time do you spend thinking about the future? Yeah, I, I definitely don't spend enough time thinking about the future. I think because you got can, a busy job. Yeah, I, I think we we can all spend more time and need to. I, you know, one one of the things that that I think is really important is again that you take that time to step back and and think about the future and and figure out you know, what are you doing today that will set you up for tomorrow? And so that's something that I'm always working with my teams to go, okay, is there something that we can automate to free up a little bit of your time today because tomorrow there's gonna be something to take that time. And so I, I think that's, and that's something that again, we have to partner with our, you know, with technology partners like Genzabar to figure out what, how to free up some capacity to be thinking about tomorrow, to be thinking more strategically uh, and yeah, and moving it's, forward. It's like seeing the whole chessboard. You got to yes. see the whole chessboard and where things are going to end up and, and prepare for that. So yes. I know definitely what it's, it's, he, he's absolutely right. It's really hard to, to have the time sometimes because of the moment stuff that you have to deal with. And, but you really do have to have an eye out. And I, I know I, I really focus on, especially as I got into my role, focusing on what are the five steps ahead. 
and and what are you doing now that you don't have to finish it now but what are you doing now to setting you up for those next five steps get it you know that way know your steps steps. that's a fact that's a fact we have to recognize that voice we have to uh, let's talk enrollment retention a little bit um going back to my financial aid point Getting students through financial aid, having them understand financial aid is an important part. Obviously, the process, or else you don't have students. Uh, scaling enrollment, retaining students, it all comes down to affordability. How do you work through that with your enrollment team, your marketing team, to ensure, you know, because to, and the reason I ask is tuition increases have been discussed. There's been talk of tuition locks, of uh, tuition going faster than the price of inflation, you know, higher ed's unattainable for you know all of these people how do you keep it grounded at your institution to say we're, we're going to make sure it's affordable we're going to make sure people can get this education you know we step back first and we look at value we, we want to make sure that we're providing the value that the students are paying for that we're charging for and making sure that we're communicating that value to the students and reminding them which is part of the retention process but also that keeps us focused on our core, you know, our, our, our core services, right? What yeah. we're doing. And as we keep that focus and, and work on those, uh, you know, make sure we're continuing to deliver the value and communicate that value, you know, then I think that's what keeps us grounded, making sure that, you know, we evaluate everything that we're doing in that context. Uh, and and that helps us stay as affordable as we can be, um, and to attract the right you know the right students. I think we've lost a lot of that conversation in the United States of the the real value, um, short and long term, of an education. Oh boy, oh boy, you just you just hit it for me. Now I'm going to ask you because this was my actually my next question. Um, but I want to go a little bit more in depth because less you're talking to schools, you're, you're talking to universities all day long, every day, product services, but value comes up, you know, with degrees, credit, non-credit. One of the things that I find fascinating about higher ed right now is the credentialing space. Okay. There's two mil- almost 2 million credentials, a credential engine actually tries to track these. And the last time it was 1.2 million. I look and I always joke my cousin Vinny, you know, just because I was downloading Joe Pesci, my cousin Vinny offers a real estate course and I'm going to take it. And who's validating it? What does it mean for me? Does that have any value? The value is being questioned and the public is questioning that value. As thought leaders in this space, what needs to be said about higher education? Is it Does it have value anymore? Is it is it an and or? Is it an either than? How do you see it, Les? I, I think it does definitely have value. Uh, I remember when I was a student, went off to school, you know, being being away allowed me to grow up a bit more. So there's that hidden value that you don't really think of. You think of books and curriculum and all that kind of stuff, but there's that aspect of it, of, of kids being able to grow up and, and being more independent. But, you know, in terms of, of uh, helping kids, you know, get to a point where they're employed. I mean, that's really one thing we're focused on is you're right, that credentialing, micro-credentialing, skills-based uh, assessments of things and making sure that we're, we're providing, you know, we didn't just teach a course. Here are the skills you're going to get from that. And we test and assess that the students knew those, got those skills so that we can, you know, directly correlate that to jobs, employment, their future. And I think, you know, higher ed, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about higher ed kind of dying out. Higher ed has been really good. I mean, the pandemic proved it. 
Ireland has been very good at adapting, and I think they will adapt again, and you'll start to see more that more regular acceptance of credentials, validated credentials. Yeah, I see, you know, everybody talks about blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. Blockchain, I think, is the answer that's going to fix some of this credentialing, in my opinion. That's going to be it. the one. So, um, yeah, Hire is going to adapt. They've been awesome. I mean, the customers that survived the pandemic has been incredible, and I think they're going to adapt and reach those new students that are there, you know, as we move forward and teach them skills give them the, the the liberal arts education that they also get and have a good mix. What's the leadership saying, Tyson, at uh, Southeastern, uh, South, Southern Virginia University? Yeah, I, I, again, it, it's, the, look, teaching someone to think and communicate is really difficult to measure, right? And oh, to communicate yeah. that value. But that's really at the core of any undergraduate education. I mean, that's that's the whole point of having like the general education requirements is to help students begin to think and and critically and to communicate all the credentialing, all of the skills based learning and education is nice. But without that ability to critically think and communicate, it's really difficult to do anything with those tools. I I think about this with with my my young children. I can give them tools, but if they don't know how to use them in multiple situations, the tools aren't very valuable. Right. And and that's a piece that, you know, that we focus on a lot, particularly as a liberal arts college is making sure that we're delivering and helping again the students understand and recognize the value of that ability to critically think and communicate and then coupling it with specific skills mm-hmm. to help them launch into the marketplace right out of graduation. That's a great answer. It's like we talk about it all the time in Genzibar is, and we have developed some of our own thing, life skills. That's really yeah. what it is, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of young people, you know, uh, you know, with the social media generation and things like that, some of the communication aspects when they come out of college and come work for us, it's been a little bit of a struggle, you know, because that's a, that's something that they kind of missed out on and kind of getting them back. You know, we bring like to this conference, a lot of times we bring brand new developers and re, you know people to the conference to get in amongst the 1500 that are here. And it, it really changes them because it they grow up really fast. Hey, yeah. I'm coding something for somebody to just walk by me and they're actually users. So it's, it's a real, it's a real thing, but he's spot on, you know, the life skills combined with your know, work skills is important. Tyson, you, as a CFO, you know, that this conversation typically goes to ROI of, of value, right? Yeah. And and when you're in, you have a financial brain and a lot of people who are outside of higher education, they're looking at higher ed purely as a financial transaction with a financial output in a very short period of time, right? I, I, I don't know about you guys, I remember I got handed my degree, walked out the door, no job, I gotta find a job. My right. ROI was not solid in my first couple of years. Right. 15 years later, Boy, I, I had a great ROI, but we're not measuring it that far out right now. Is it all about dollars and cents? Is it more? No, I mean, it's not. And, and an example of that is, is as an undergrad, I was forced to take an art history class and I was I was very upset about it. I thought it was a waste. Um, Yikes! But a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of taking a couple of my older sons to Florence, Italy. And that was an enriching experience for me because of that art history class. Right. So there, there's no dollars and cents, there's no value can I, I can assign to it. But I think you hit on something that's really critical that as, as an industry, higher ed has not done well historically. And that's making sure that the, the short-term ROI is high. 
because right. students come out of college having made a significant investment in themselves. They there should not be the floundering for right. a job. There shouldn't be three or four or five or ten years of of low wages. You know, not right. sure what I'm going to do. Not that they can't change career, but but we need to make sure we're doing a better job placing them right doing that mm -hmm. connecting and launching them from college into launching into life. is a good word launching is a really good word too 100 yeah. we call that the disruptive agreement button right in, in your ears <laughs> um guys i think our time's coming to an end so i want to give the last word to tyson our guest of the hour here what else do you want to say about southern virginia university open mic anything you want to say recognize your team whatever you want to say yeah I, I think we've got a wonderful group of people who work there and and uh, i'm thrilled about you know our mission our our mission is to gather students um uh, to lift them in intellect and character and then to launch them into successful lives um both in the workplace and in the world and and really i think that encapsulates what what all of higher ed should be doing is is uh, is trying to gather as many students as possible to give them these experiences to prepare them for life and and that's that's again that's one of the things I'm most proud of is we we pride ourselves on accepting as many students as possible rather than rejecting as many students as possible, which unfortunately a lot of the industry has moved toward. You teach them to well said to to don't just make a living, make a difference, right? Yes, that's that's yes. the positive thing. So yes. Before we outro our guest, I have to ask my guest co-host, who has been on a podcast now for the first time. Yes. How are you <laughs> feeling about this experience, Les? Was it as, uh, as uh, interruptive as you thought? Do you feel good about it, I Ben? I feel good. I could do it again. You did a good job of helping me through it, so I really appreciate it. Remember, remember, live in the now. You got to go for it when you have the chance. Everybody, my guest co-host today, he's Les Zimmerman, VP of Product Development at Genzabar. Les, an honor to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our guest today, your guest today, he is the one and only Tyson Cooper, CFO of Southern Virginia University. Tyson, we thank you for being here. What'd you think? Thank you. This is great. Well, we appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. You've just ed upped.